you are totally correct in saying this, Nick. And I don't agree with you that often on this show. This is kind of weird that I'm agreeing with you. I don't, and I'm not even drunk or anything. Hey, you so over I'd, there! No, that will no, no. Please don't confuse them. Don't confuse them. Do you really want me to go back you to that pile of shit? Oh no! <laughs> uh, <laughs> the Epic Film Dies podcast. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to a brand new episode of the Epic Film Guys podcast. Yes, this is not pre-recorded in the sense that it's not some old content that I <laughs> that I slapped a I don't know a fresh coat of paint on or something. And, and we put still it out. exist, ladies and gentlemen. We're we're still alive. That's a uh, lie. We, I sucked the dick last. I don't know night. why you have to. Why you talked me into coming back to this thing, and you had to play that. Why? I told you that was part of the stipulation that you never played that again. Ugh. And you immediately throw it in my face. I must have forgotten about it. I don't <sighs> know. Emily. Okay. All right. Wow. That, that immediately made it better. Wow. Just hearing her beautiful voice. Thank I you, know. Emily. Isn't she wonderful? We love Emily. We love you, ladies and gentlemen. And we are super, super thrilled that you are here for a look back 25 years. This is kind of like a prelude, I think, to the horror season, which I know Justin has got to be amped for. Uh, we're going to be looking back at David Fincher's Seven, of course, starring Brad Pitt, Morgan Freeman, Gwyneth Paltrow's head. Huh? Yes, that's correct. Uh, Spoiler alert. Uh, Spoiler alert. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, you've all seen the movie already. Let he who is without sin try to survive. That's right. It's the movie's about two detectives, a rookie and a veteran. Hunting a serial killer like who the uses the seven deadly for the sins movie? as his motives. Of course it is. We don't have Saucy here. Saucy is at the I Alamo Drive-In now. Wow. Probably watching Tenet for like the one trillionth time. People want the sauce. They do want him, but he's not here. <laughs> so <laughs> you're stuck with the two of us. The original, the OG. I mean, talking to somebody recently, they just brought it up to me. They're like, I remember... When you guys used to just sit around at work and talk about movies, and that was before Epic Film Guys had a name, and I'm like, that's right, motherfucker, and we're still doing it was this either, shit. It was either Matt Parks or it was Mike Vasquez. Well, And I know you weren't talking to Vasquez for any reason. <laughs> he makes meat for a living, so yeah, that's a thing. Makes and we were that, loud enough for him to hear uh, us like three or four seats over, but yeah, man, I mean, it's it's great to be back. It's great to be talking about movies with you again. Things happen. Life happens. We don't really need to excuse ourselves or explain ourselves in any way, but you know, we're going to keep giving you guys content when we can and keep pushing it into your eardrums just All like we it. always have. We're going to keep, you know, lubing it up and sliding it in. You got to squirt that freely. Exactly. You gotta, 100%. It's going to be wet. Yeah. Yeah. Filthy. It may hurt That's a little a bit. Come. We're just going to cycle through all the Loisos really perverted sound drops and everything. But uh, yeah, we're just going to be, we're going to keep getting guests on. So some Monday, so stuff will probably be coming at some point. I don't have anything banked right now, but I'm sure Brad from the cinema guys will want to make me suffer at some point very, very soon. And Saucy and I will most definitely have some horror shit for your You're eardrums to bleed. Uh, again, if I can get him away from the drive-in and Christopher Nolan's tenant, which he's had to be working constantly lately. If but only. Hey, 
it, it's good he's back working again, and it's good that the Alamo is open again. I myself went and saw Batman '89 again at a drive-in. I saw it already earlier this summer. You saw at a drive-in. I've never heard of that movie. Is it any good? Uh, there's a fat guy who walks around with a mustache. He wears a big fedora, and he says stuff like, "You're drinking what something." Uh, Drano or something like that. No, it's isn't it like I don't know. Isn't it like uh, scrubbing bubbles? You're drinking scrubbing yeah, bubbles. Yeah, yeah. Or the Mister Bubbles bubble bath or something hey, like that. You drinking Mister Clean or something like that? Yeah, there it is. But no, for real it's though. It's been I a mean, while, ladies and gentlemen. Forgive us. Yeah. <laughs> yes. No. It, this is listen. Even on our best day, it's worse than this. So. You're going to get what you're going to get, but I'm super excited, though, Nick, to sit down and talk about Seven. I have not watched this movie in so many years. I thought I'd watched it recently, and when I sat down to watch it, I was like, nope, definitely not. Um, But I remember watching it for the first time, but it wasn't in a theater, so I don't have to tell the story. Wow. So you don't have to sit there and roll your eyes at me while I tell the story. I was really hoping to take like a 10-minute break where I could have just put the headphones down and walked away. No. No, this time. Now I'm just depressed. I mean. It was the summer of Batman Forever, which is one of our favorite episodes that we did this summer for you guys. And oh, yeah, Mm -hmm. that's a thing that we did. (laughs) They're not my dad. (laughs) Good Lord. But uh, we're getting excited. I mean, I know, as I said, Justin's getting excited. We've got horror season coming up, and I think this is a good prelude to the horror season, to October, to the, of course, Epic Film Guys 31 Day Horror Challenge once again. I mean, more details will be coming about that. We'll be posting it all over social media. So you guys make sure you tune in so you can check in over. We've got a little sticker or magnet. I haven't decided what we're going to get yet. I got to figure it out. I don't know what exact merch we want to get, but Justin did do a a, a special uh, Halloween themed logo, like a like a a, a fall themed Put a light. themed yes, EFG yes, logo. Yes, 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 yes. Put a light in your epic film, guys. Pumpkin and watch it go boo. I don't, I don't know what that means. Is that a, is that a reference to something? It's so. Guess who? Guess who is completely just not even whatever about about horror movies. I'm just like. Eh. <laughs> I will not be participating in the EFG 31 day horror challenge this year, as I just sadly do not have the time. No, what he's really trying to say is, fuck y'all motherfuckers. That's what I'm going to do. How it's OK, you? though. I'll, I, I got your back. We got your back on the epic film, guys. We got you. So it's going to happen. We're going to have a fucking blast this year like we do every other year. But you are correct in saying that this is a great precursor to horror season because this movie is quite spooky, man. I mean, uh, it's a thriller mystery at its core, but there's a lot of scary ass shit in this movie. And I forgot how spooky it was. Gluttony, greed, sloth, envy, wrath, pride and lust. Those seven deadly sins enforced here by some of the most brutal kills at the time. This is the movie that really set the stage. For Fincher's career, I mean, three years before this, he was working on Alien 3. And it was only a year after that movie came out that he finally decided to make another movie, which was Seven. Um, He basically said he would rather die of colon cancer than make another movie after Alien 3, which I understand because I've watched it (laughs) a bunch of times. I've still never seen Alien 3 ever, and I don't think I ever will. I mean, his well, the assembly cut of the movie 
is what it is. It's more of a director's cut, but even so, they didn't let him make a movie. And we all know Fincher came from a music video background, but here he took a look at this script. It was handed to him. And he said he wanted to approach this like a tiny genre movie, the kind of movie that William Friedkin may have made after The Exorcist. So he had agreed to do this movie. And I mean, I think the result is literally what made his career. I mean, after this, he did the game, which is a near masterpiece in my view. I know you've never seen it. Uh, West nope. Coast, Justin. Yes. Keep yelling at Nick to watch that movie. Then, of course, Fight Club and much, much later on, one of my all-time favorite mystery thriller movies. Nick's favorite. He loves it so, so much just because of Robert Downey Jr. and Jake Gyllenhaal. Zodiac. Fist yourself! Yeah. Smile, baby. But Zodiac much, much later on. Zodiac is fucking terrible, and I will never <laughs> stop. I will never. I will die on that hill. I don't care. It's okay. But... Much, much later on after that, The Social Network, which is celebrating an anniversary Best movie next of the month. decade. Last yep, decade. We both love that movie, but that's a movie that's near and dear to your heart. So it's safe to say, Nick, that you're a pretty big Fincher fan, depending Sometimes. on what he does. Sometimes. I mean, he he has made stuff where I've, I've really, really enjoyed it, and I've really, really enjoyed a lot of things about it, but then he makes total and complete trash heaps like Zodiac or like that girl with the dragon tattoo movie, which I still stand by was one of the most boring fucking things I've ever seen in my life. Both movies that I really enjoyed. Absolutely terrible. So, I mean, Fincher has this sometimes like it. I don't know if it's, if, if, if it's a pacing thing or whatever the case may be, but sometimes his approach to material can be a little bit dry. So I guess it kind of depends on exactly what script he's working from and exactly what other elements he's got in place. Cause he's, I mean, some people worship at the altar of Fincher and think he's done no wrong or think he can do no, whatever the case may be. I'm not one of those people, but he's also directed some films. Like I said, that I, I, I find to be absolutely incredible, like the social network, which is a modern masterpiece. So yeah, I, I haven't visited this movie in a long time either. I honestly could not tell you the last time that I saw this movie. I forgot how, utterly and completely bleak this movie is oh dude the first thing that i noticed is that it's raining constantly and this was the beginning of this style in film where things were desaturated so much everything was really dark and yes it rains constantly for like i think the the first half of the movie it's constantly raining then it finally stops it's bleak (laughs) and i mean i don't even just mean atmospherically in terms of in terms of the weather or anything like that i mean it's a very very dark film it's a very very kind of nihilistic film uh, in terms of the way that it views society in terms of the way that you know you have john doe quote unquote john doe's killings based on the seven deadly sins and kind of why he's doing that what that says about society you've also got morgan freeman's character who is incredibly jaded and who is incredibly disillusioned with society as a whole like he wants he to get really... out of it man he's had he's had enough yeah. i mean he's he's that traditional gumshoe he looks like the old school he's wearing the fedora and the trench coat he's got that old school detective look going on and everything but you could tell i mean the cool thing about this movie is it jumps right in it doesn't pull any punches takes place in a very gritty New York City. And the movie opens right up with murder. Like, there aren't any opening credits right in the beginning. There's no music. It's just silent. You see him getting prepared. He goes to work, and there's a dead body laying there. I mean, this is a very rare thing to see with this kind of movie, especially in 1995. Um, 
and then of course we we see the credits much later with nine inch nails and the closer remix and stuff like that but then it's like raining and yes the atmosphere is there and it's desaturated and just as you said perfectly nick it's so bleak and it looks dirty and movies didn't really look like that before this they weren't as stylized as this even though i don't think fincher set out to make it to look that way it just ended up happening that way I love a lot of things about this movie, but I'm going to be honest, like even rewatching this movie, even revisiting it just for this retrospective, this is a tough movie to love. Somerset, Detective Somerset, which is Morgan Freeman's character, absolutely has become disillusioned. Like the, 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 the world, his job, it's broken him. Like, I mean, he literally is just like, he is, he is completely and totally broken man. And then, you know, you have this grisly, grisly series of murders taking place. You know, the only real hope and optimism that you kind of get in the film is, you know, some of the family stuff and some of the relationship stuff between uh, Mills, uh, Brad Pitt's character and his wife, who's played by Gwyneth Paltrow. Like, those are really some of the only kind of things that you get in there. But you also get this sense of Mills's character that he's incredibly hot headed that. Oh, yeah, he's definitely a hot head. Yeah. Yeah. Depending on exactly what he's faced with he could go in any number of different directions i mean there's the one scene where he just straight up instead of waiting for the warrant kicks in the door to john doe's apartment what i love is that these two meet on a murder scene yep mills shows up immediately off of five years on a homicide he's basically a rookie in a lot of ways and I mean, Somerset's just immediately like he, he's already done, dude. He doesn't want to be involved in this anymore. He he wants nothing to do with him in any way. And that's what begins the great chemistry that these two actors have together. Now, I find it very interesting that when this project came up and Fincher took it on, dude, so many huge stars turned down these roles. Um, Denzel Washington was up for a role Mills was offered to both Stallone and some other big names. Both turned him down. I'm sure those motherfuckers are regretting that shit now. Pretty much everything. Because I've also read Pacino. They wanted Pacino for some Originally, it was supposed to be Pacino. Everybody that I've read, um, you know, that that they considered for these roles beforehand regrets not taking the roles in the film, given how it turned out. But I think why this movie is as special as it is, is because of their chemistry and seeing like a seasoned actor like Morgan Freeman and an up and comer like Brad Pitt duking it out in this movie together. Cause you have to think about where they were at in their career at this point. I mean, Freeman had already been in like so many movies and Brad Pitt was like, he was still a new up and comer. He had been in Thelma and Louise, you know, interview with the vampire. He was still like that teen heartthrob. Yeah. This was still, this was still pre fight club. So he hadn't become like the superstar Brad Pitt that he would obviously become after that movie and i really do think that's what makes this movie as good as it is you put any other actors in these roles and it just does not work and i mean in my opinion i'm going to say this a lot in this episode but i mean for me maybe not Pitt, but as far as freeman is concerned this is one of my favorite performances of his classic gumshoe detective trench coat and fedora he's just putting it on perfectly so subtle but that just shows the power of his kinds of performances that he brings to the screen. I mean, he sells it completely in terms of in terms of the 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 world weariness that his character wears. And I mean, you see that kind of projected into the film's visual style and into the script itself, into how kind of just, again, the dark and nihilistic that the script is. He does give a fantastic performance in this film. I absolutely agree. Freeman is probably 
honestly my second favorite performance in the film though i mean we do have to also at some point bring well, up we'll, we'll get he we'll, who we'll shall get to not him. be named well he will be named and i'm against not naming him due to things he did in his personal well, life yeah it, it has that's, to that's be just, talked about but we'll get there when we get there yeah we will and again these two are thrown together and i love movies like this where they they don't beat around the bush they throw characters together and just give them to the audience here's what this is like here's this hothead rookie who's so eager to jump into shit and we have this other guy who's ready to leave the shit and then they have to go on their first murder together which is of course gluttony which is an amazing visual now nick i know what you're gonna say it is nihilistic it is bleak but you know how much i love all of this imagery oh god we had never seen anything like anything in this movie prior to this in terms of like a classic mystery crime thriller it would have been a horror movie i mean we had the iconic makeup effects man rob boutine who did the thing the howling robocop he did all these amazing amazing special effects and the gluttony one is still one of the most disturbing because the dude was fed until he started to burst internally. And when you see that wide yeah. shot when they're going in the room of him just like he's hunked, hunkered over on this table. He's got his arms bound, his wrists bound, his legs bound, and he's just been fed until he died. It's just ugh, just that feeling. It makes my stomach want to burst right now, dude. It, it, it makes me think, you know, every time, just kind of picture, you know, Lieutenant Eckhart after he gets his snack from, from Napier, <laughs> you know, you know, for sure that he immediately turned around and went to a convenience store and bought three boxes of donuts and just went home and polished them all off. You know, that's kind of, you know, I could imagine that Eckhart was just one, one more jelly donut away from this being him just completely incidentally like nobody even had to make him do it but just there's some horrific imagery in this film and i mean that's why it's a perfect precursor to horror season i think is just because all, all the crime scenes in this movie you talk about like when we get to the lust like when we talk about the lust crime scene like that fucking dildo blade thing oh dude oh, i totally forgot about man. that i so and and the scene where we have to hear the guy talk about it, that he was forced with a gun in his mouth to do this. And you actually see an image of that contraption. And he's like, I fucked her. I did it. I fucked her over and over. Yeah. And you're just imagining oh, it. That's I, the best that's, thing, I think, that this film does, though, is it doesn't show you these murders. It doesn't exactly, show you these crimes. Exactly. It lets you. It's way more horrible. Nothing they could ever show on the screen, like given those crime scenes nothing could ever make up for what your mind is going to do. And I think exactly. that's kind of the you genius use your of the imagination. Yeah, man. I mean, Fincher does that in spades and I don't know if that was the script. I mean, I know that when he read the script, this is, this is the strange thing. Fincher got sent the original script by mistake. Fincher was sent the original script with the original ending. And he agreed to do the movie based on that script. Then got Brad Pitt involved and all these people. And they're like, no, we don't really want you to do that version. We sent it by mistake. We want you to do this doctor version. And then they're all like, no, we're going to do this yeah. version. So that's how they got them to actually make it because Brad Pitt was going to walk if they didn't do it. But you are totally correct in saying this, Nick. And I don't agree with you that often on this show. This is kind of weird that I'm agreeing with you. I don't and I'm not even drunk or anything. Hey, you so over I'd there. No, that will no, no. Please don't confuse them. 
Don't confuse them. Do you really want me to go back to that? You fucking pile of shit. Oh, no. Uh, (laughs) But um, where was I? Oh, yeah. So, yes. I mean, theater of the mind. That's exactly what Fincher does in this movie so much because we never see John Doe actually killing any of these victims. We always come into it as a crime scene. And I love that so much. It's done tastefully. I think that's why, Nick, when the movie got released, it did so well critically and financially. I mean, the movie was $33 million budget, $330 million at the box office it made because it was classy. Even though you see some bleak, dark, nihilistic shit, um, it makes you think of it in your own mind. It does it in a creative way. I mean, being realistic, too. I mean, if you think about how horrific some of these crime scenes are, how do you even shoot that stuff and get anything but NC-17 in terms of a rating? Like, I don't I don't foresee any circumstance in which you can shoot these things and do them any justice and get, you know, given those crime scenes, like I said, I mean, watching somebody get fucked with like a, a bladed dildo, like even if, I mean, you, and then the problem is, is, I mean, even if you think about it from a practical perspective, if you do shoot those scenes, you're going to be doing so much quick cutting and like quick close-ups and like, Oh, you know, whatever, like it's not going to sell home how grisly it could possibly be if you're just imagining it in your mind instead. Well, what I find interesting, very interesting, and I didn't think of this when I was watching this because there are a lot of stunning wide shots in this movie, but Fincher wanted this movie to look like the show Cops, which was extremely popular at the time, which I didn't realize, Nick, was still airing on a normal basis up until last year when all of this shit started happening in our country and, you know, cops started to kill people at random that, you know, that shit happens. Um, but Darius Kanji, who was the cinematographer on the film, they just wanted to make it a simple approach to the camera work. And that's why we get a lot of shaky cam at times. We get a lot of first person views on everything. But I mean, the movie literally does. It feels like you are yourself going on to a crime scene. You're seeing this for yourself. Yeah. <sighs> Police shake-up as Ape Man strikes again. There you are, Commissioner. There it is in black and white. This Ape Man is making a monkey of the police department. That ox can't call me a monkey. Shut up, you baboon. Mm. (laughs) Now look here, Commissioner. You've got to catch that Ape Man. Just a minute, Mr. Dill. We're doing the best we can. As a matter of fact, we suspect he's not an Ape Man, but a real gorilla. Real gorilla, bah! Look here, Commissioner. You've got to catch that Ape Man. And if you don't... As head of the Citizens League, I'll have to demand your resignation. I don't want to make you any trouble, my friend. But this thing has gone far enough. As a matter of fact, it's gone too far. And something's got to be done. But, Mr. Dill, give me a chance. We're trying. After all, policemen are only human beings. You know how the newspapers build these things up. six phone calls yesterday. Six calls from the irate citizens demanding action. And I'm not going to be the GOAT. But Mr. Dill, nobody's asking you to be the GOAT. My men will catch this eight man or gorilla or whatever it is.
You're supposed to have an efficient police department. And yet you can't catch a third-rate hoodlum who masquerades as a monkey. Remember, Commissioner, this is your last chance. Good night. But, Mr. Dill, Mr. Dill, let's understand each other on this. That Dill sure had the chief in a pickle. I'd like to get that eight man by the throat and tear his ears off and gouge his eyes Shut up, up Tarzan, you're all wet. <laughs> Would you think of uh, Arlie Ermey as the captain? Oh my God! It's one of his most restrained performances. God, it's he's so whole restrained career. it almost doesn't feel like him. It, it like it really because I mean everything else he's in almost exclusively. Like I think of things like the Frighteners and you know of course Full Metal Jacket and even like when he did like the voice in Toy Story. Like he was just known for just that being that military guy, like just the drill instructor, just yelling and shouting all the time. God so rest his soul. He is man. so he was restrained. A national treasure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, when, when, I mean, when he turns <laughs> dude, literally when he turns to Mills and he's like, get out. No, I mean it. Get out. I was expecting him to stand up and like, I said, get out, you know, but he didn't yeah. do it. And I'm like, Oh, cause I totally forgot he was in this movie. And you're, I, I was like, Whoa, dude, it literally is a very subtle performance by him. Yeah. It's good to see him in this movie, though, because he plays a very integral part to the film. But, I mean, the core of this movie really is our two detectives. And I can't say enough how much I love their performances. Moving on a little bit, though. What is more gorgeous than 1995 Gwyneth Paltrow? Yes, Brad Pitt. He is a piece of candy you want to put in your mouth and suck on. But that mid nineties. Why am I? I'm never sideburns. ready for the. I'm never ready for the soundboard. You sucked his dick. There we go. But dude, Gwyneth is a queen. She is a goddess in this movie. Even though I counted, she's only in like I think three or four scenes in the she's entire. She's not movie. in very many. No, the what the the when she meets Somerset the one time, yep, and then the dinner when he's scene, at the yeah. house. And I think, yeah, one other scene, maybe like kind of her introduction. Like she yeah. meets him at the diner. She meets him at the diner. Yep. To tell him a secret because she doesn't know anyone else there. She's a fifth grade teacher. They're new to the city. They just moved there from upstate New York, mind you, which they never say where, Nick. But I'm imagining. Well, they never even say New York. It's not set anywhere. The movie's not set specifically anywhere. Well, it based on what the writer said, Andrew Walker, he based his influence on the script on his time in New York City. To me, it looks like New York City. It feels like New York I mean, City. You can they mention the subway because nobody I mean, else refers to you know. I mean, well, granted, I don't live. If if you live in another part of the country and they also refer to an upstate area as upstate, like the way they do in New York, but yeah, I mean, specifically, like very specifically, no setting is ever actually mentioned in the film. I noticed, but the only reason why is because they called the subway the subway, and usually, like here, they don't call the subway that; they call it the metro. So that's the only place I, I know that I've ever Metro. been. Listen, I'm telling you, boy, I'm telling you. That but- guy felt my pee-pee one night. <laughs> Jesus Christ. We're already going off the rails here with this shit. I mean, that's fine. I'm I'm comfortable with off the rails. It's kind of the uh, it's kind of the best space that we operate in. I was going to say I was going to say that's a perfect segue to talk about Kevin Spacey, but that seemed way too wrong and opportunistic to me. <laughs> no, it needs to be that. It absolutely does need to be that. Well, Kevin Spacey is legendary in this performance. I would dare to say 
in his top five, if not his top three best performances in his career. Easily one um, of his best performances. And also like an ingenious decision to leave him out of marketing, to not bill he's him. He's not in the trailer. At the yeah, top. He's not in the because trailer. I think either his agent or producers or somebody, because he was just coming off a of usual suspects, you know, and all those things like you wanted him build at the top of this movie at the head of this movie. You know, you wanted him build like up at the front of this, but it was like, no, because it's going to be a total like holy fuck moment when he actually shows up in the movie. His performance it, it is, is so short, but it's sweet with such a great impact. The mythic, mysterious quality of the character is really what makes this film so terrifying at times. But I, I have to go back and say, I mean, they did leave him out and I made sure to watch every single the teaser and the trailer. I wanted to go back just to make sure, because this is a movie that, yes, I saw the teaser and the trailer in the theater and all that stuff, but I did not get a chance to see in the theater. I was in fifth fucking grade, so my parents were never going to let me see this shit. They're like, yeah, sure, you can go watch that Judge Dredd movie in the theater, but not that one. That looks too spooky for you. Um but yeah, dude, everyone and should it was watch Judge Dredd again. Ingenious. I don't think this this kind of thing could happen now, because if you had someone of that caliber, of that level of box office that he was at that time, there's no way they wouldn't put his name or an image of him. Dude, in the original trailer, you literally see the silhouette of him in the puddle with the top hat on and the trench coat. That's all you get when it gets to like the, naming the people that are in the movie. And I think that's pure genius i just love it so much what it takes is i mean and you know say what you will about spacey nowadays of course with all the things that we know about him whatever but like i mean it takes an actor who at least is able to set aside their ego enough to be like no it's going to be better for the film overall if i'm not mentioned anywhere in this whole thing i mean he also was grateful because he didn't have to do press for the movie because obviously it was a whole big hush hush thing that he was in it and that he was the killer and everything. But I mean, realistically, yeah, I mean, it, it does it play out way better. Does it make this movie way better to not know that like the first time you watch it? Like, yeah, it makes it infinitely better. Although if you know Kevin Spacey at all, like, you know, that's clearly his voice on the phone when they're talking to John Doe, when he calls him when they're at the apartment, when he calls him when they're in his apartment. Yeah, yeah it's I very mean, clearly he, his voice. So, I mean, but I mean, again, when this was released in 95, you probably weren't going to be nearly as well, familiar think, with him. Just think you never Nick, know, how like, amazing a lot of people that would do uncredited stuff all the time where they'll just be a voice on a phone, but you'll just never a voice actually on see a phone. Yep. Yeah, that's that's very, very, very true. A lot of times a director or an actor from a different movie will come on just to do a voice on the phone just to confuse the audience or just to do the voice. But imagine being in that audience and being like that one out of 50 people. Then you hear that voice. And you actually know who it is, how exciting that must have been, because you don't actually see his face until. He gets out of the cab, walks into the police station, and turns himself in, covered in blood. Yeah, literally it's the first time covered, you actually see his face. Covered in blood, which is such a great fucking image. I mean, it's again, it's played to such amazing effect. They're hitting dead ends, like they almost nab him and whatever until he, you know, knocks Pitt out with the tire iron and, you know, is able to, you know, continue his continue his murder spree and everything. It's just it's it's so crazy crazy good because they've hit a wall and i mean literally the way that i mean it's it's kind of one of these things like the the ending of this film like which we have to move into like it's it's renowned for just kind of how well set up it is in terms I mean, the of the plot being executed it's perfect and i have to go back for a quick moment here and mention that this film is very methodical it builds 
and builds and builds, but very slowly, very character driven. And when it gets to the apartment building chasing, it's spectacular. Yep. The action has done amazing. The energy I was, dude, I was, I literally was just sitting on my couch watching it with my back against it. And when they get to John Doe's apartment and he shoots at them, that first shot, I jumped onto the edge of my seat and went forward. And for the whole entire sequence, I literally was squeezing my fists like this, like just so excited because I forgot I hadn't seen it in so long. How great that scene is set up where they're shooting at each other back and forth. And then, of course, Pitt gets nailed. He is the hothead. So, of course, he's going to go in too quick and too fast. He's not as experienced and he gets nailed. And our villain, John Doe, lets him live. And for good reason, because it builds the film. It continues to build that suspense, that tension. And I can't say enough, man, like how impressed I am. You watch anything that Fincher did before this? Yes, he has done some cool shit in music videos. And yes, there are some impressive, cool scenes in Alien 3. I give it that. But this really showcased what he could do as a director. And like that scene there, the rest of the movie wouldn't be what it is without that amazing sequence. It's really funny too when you think about like because I was reading like after after I watched the movie tonight, I was reading through and I was just looking through all of the different alternate endings that they tried to go with for this movie, and and whatever because some test audiences loved it, some test audiences hated it. Wasn't there a happy ending? Wasn't there like a traditional a lot mystery of the producers? Ending where... well, I mean, a lot of the producers like were really against the idea of the ending, and they wanted something that wasn't so bleak, or they wanted something that was more hopeful and more optimistic at the end of the film. Boo. Some scenes where, you know, you have... I mean, this film ends on an extremely down note. I mean, you have, again, you have Somerset's character who is ostensibly just kind of a broken man and is, has been broken by this job. And he's trying to basically prevent Mills. I think he doesn't want Mills to become broken in the same way that he is, but he also doesn't want Mills to be susceptible to like everything that that world has to offer. And you have John Doe come along and, you know, they had an ending shot where they had Somerset shoots him instead, like to try to protect him, you know? So it wasn't Mills that ended up going away because he was retiring anyway. So he was just trying to protect Mills from going the way that he did. And I mean, all these different things that they, that they tried to do, or that they thought about doing and whatnot. But can you imagine this film without the ending? Can you imagine this film without I the ending playing out the I way mean, it does? And what I was going to say to you is, can you imagine being an audience member in 1995? You only saw the trailer once. You're sitting there on a Friday night opening weekend. You know nothing about this fucking movie. And seeing the ending for the first time. I can't even imagine it. This movie literally set the bar for modern horror and thriller surprise endings because before that surprise endings were a big thing and they kind of died out in the the early 90s and people weren't doing them anymore or if they did do them they sucked and they didn't mean anything even watching it tonight because my my daughter kaya was watching it with us and she didn't she's never seen this movie she's never heard of it anything and when she saw it she was like wait what is that what and i'm like imagine being that person in that audience on friday night in the theater yeah dude it's so amazing how it builds and there's little hints here and there and they're playing cat and mouse in the car on the way there. And you start to get little hints there. And I think it's done so perfectly and so brilliantly. I love how bleak the ending is. That's what the, the film is known for. The film wouldn't be anywhere near as iconic or legendary and 
Fincher wouldn't be as hailed as he is if that had been a had been a happy ending. Like that's what drew him to this movie is that they had an ending like this pit as well. They were like, no, sometimes life doesn't go the way we plan, and obviously we have to just say what it is. Just tell our audience if if you haven't seen the movie, you've already been ruined anyway at this point. But Nick, tell them what happens at the end of the movie. <sighs> Yeah, Mills blows his head up six times. He shoots him six goddamn times. He shoots John Doe because uh, the delivery truck shows up at the end, which is a great which is a great sequence where the delivery driver shows up. And then you have, you know, as Morgan Freeman gets down and he starts opening the box. to Someone find out, pay me 500 bucks to deliver this package yeah. at exactly 7 p.m. It's like he's, he's, he's opening the box and then and then you just have I mean, again, Spacey is just so deliciously fucking evil in this performance. Like just so evil and just like starts to kind of unravel it. Like he, he commits five murders based on the seven deadly sins. And really he and Pitt are the last two. Like he wants to die because of because he's envy and then he wants Pitt to do it because Pitt that would be wrath. And that would be the last two. So, you know, he finds out it's Gwyneth's head in the box. Although they never show it, they apparently did make it. Uh, they apparently did make her head in the box, but they yeah, never I've show seen, it. I've, I've seen I've seen a picture of it before. But yeah, uh, yeah no, it it, uh, it it eventually essentially John Doe wins because John Doe is able to goad Mills into killing him, into fulfilling what he wants. I mean, what I find most fascinating about this ending is if you think about it from Somerset's perspective, Somerset is so broken and so downtrodden by the world and by the crime and the, and the doom and gloom of the city. And he's so disillusioned with this. What do you think this ending does to his character? Like, I mean, it's, he's already so broken. And then there, he was this, this one thing, like he knows they're pregnant and, you know, like going to have a baby and everything. And all he wants is for Mills to just put the gun down and just not make the one bad choice to not prove like the bleakness and the darkness to, to for one little little nugget. Of not let it win. Don't let it win. Not yeah, let, don't the let world it win. win. And by extension, letting John Doe win like that. Like, I mean, I can only imagine like after he retires and I mean, you know, who knows, whatever, but I can only imagine like this probably leads Somerset down like uh, he probably just literally fucking just drinks himself into oblivion or something like that. Well, I mean, to carry like, it through like with the bleakness of the in the tone of the movie, like if you take that to its logical conclusion based on where his character already was like, mm. I'm surprised, honestly, with the the box office of this movie that they didn't attempt to do a sequel. But as they said at the end of the movie, he's like, where are you going to be? And he says, he, Somerset says, I'll be around. I'll be around. Yeah, you know, I just, I at don't know. Point, like, I, I don't, I, I just don't. I, I, that's one of the things that I find most fascinating about it. It is fascinating that it's a villain winning in the end. It's fascinating in that it's so bleak. It's so dark. It's so tragic in the end of it. Like, you know, killing his unborn wife. Like, I mean, if you put yourself in that position, like your wife, an unborn child, yeah, unborn like, child gets yeah, her yeah. fucking head cut off and all that shit. Like, I mean, like it's, it's incredibly bleak, but then like, that's the one thing, especially when I rewatched it, I was like, God, what must this do to Somerset? What must this do to him? Like where he is tried, like he's beaten by the world, like the world's broken him, but he's tried to instill in Pitt, in Mills's character, just, you know, being a good detective, being a good cop and not 
letting the bleakness of this world, even though it's already beaten him, not letting it beat him too. You know, I mean, there's one line that just sticks in my head when Spacey says it. Um, I really wonder if he really was the in real life, the evil motherfucker that he was playing in this movie. But he says, I can't wait for you to see it. It's really going to be something. And then we don't as an audience member see it, but we know. And again, another classy it thing. Just they connects, did. It just connects, though. Everything connects. When, when you look, think back, as soon as as soon as we find out what's in that box as soon as you think about her like it's gwyneth paltrow's head in that box you immediately remember him getting arrested at that police station and just being absolutely legitimately head to toe in blood covered in blood with his hands everything yeah and like they said when they checked the blood under the fingernails it was the one victim his his blood and an unknown victim yeah and little did they know i mean dude seriously (laughs) Mills is sitting there all hot-headed, can't wait to get him. We got him. He's all confident. We're good. Nothing can go wrong here. Yep. And you as the audience member are going along with that. That's why this surprise ending, thank God, Nick, this movie came out in 95 before the internet, before everyone had the fucking internet, before people like to spoil movies for each other on social yeah. media. Because seriously, that's what makes this movie so special. This brought back the twist surprise ending. And I think one of the most special things about this movie is that when you left the theater, you were talking about this. Yep. You were thinking about this. It sat with you. Even though it is bleak, it's dark, it is nihilistic. But you know what? On the same page, it's realistic. The good guy doesn't always win. You know what I mean? We see the effort these two guys put into this case. And you as the audience member, you're like, of course, of course, they're going to they're gonna get the bad guy and things are going to go good. And I'm going to go home and go lay in bed with my wife and maybe I'll fuck her and I'll wake up in the morning and eat my Cheerios and the world will all be sunshine and roses. Unfortunately, this movie didn't do that. So yep. when you wake up in the morning, you're still thinking about this ending and that performance. And that's why Seven, I think, in my view, is a fucking near masterpiece. I think this movie is fucking brilliant. I couldn't believe how much I re- I loved watching this movie again, and I forgot how great it was. So where does this rank in terms of Fincher for you? Where do you think you would put this if you were if you were to <sighs> toss together like a quick hot list of like your Fincher flicks? Where does this one sit for you? Is it more toward the top? Is it in the middle? Is it at the bottom? I mean, it's definitely at the top, one hundred percent. I mean, uh, right underneath, right underneath Alien Three for sure. Wow. No, I'm I'm turning the microphone off. Goodbye. I, I, this is the only <laughs> instance that I wish the sauce was here because he would literally like, he would now you spew hatred all over my face like it was the acid ooze coming out of the xenomorph's mouth. Um, but no, one hundred percent, it's right up there. Like, and I know you don't like Zodiac. We've never actually talked about why you don't like Zodiac. It's fine. We're not going to do it now because we're going to praise this movie and we'll leave that for a different time. But. This is definitely right wait. above that. I'm going to be and waiting Zodiac for everybody to sign up and just have my head when I shit all over that movie properly and in, of a, course, in a review episode. I mean, honestly, top five, I'd have to just throw in no, no specific number. If I had to do it, be like the game fight club, the social network, Zodiac and seven. I mean, those five for me as a fan of his, like, I still think he's one of the best filmmakers ever. And I know he's had some misses. The girl with the dragon tattoo, whatever. I Sucks. I know you didn't like it. Sucks. it I liked sucks. it. I liked it. I wasn't in love with it. But I mean, for the most part, the guy. I don't think the guy's ever made. You can call it a shit heap, Nick. 
I know what you're really trying to say is <laughs> it's not good, but I don't think he's ever made like a piss poor movie, even though Alien 3 isn't a good movie. It's quite bad. I know what his intentions were. That's why I think I appreciate him as a filmmaker so, so much. Um, just his 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 view behind the camera. I mean, the guy makes movies that no one else makes, and he's so influential. No movie looked like seven before seven. And then after seven, everything tried to be seven. So, I mean, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. So I, don't, I don't know. How about for you, man? Like, where does it rank in yours? Easily probably number two, right? Like below the social network. The social network, obviously, for me is, wow. is just a masterpiece wow. of his. I don't rate Fight Club as much as a lot of people do. I still really, really like it. Like, it's still a really good movie. I don't rate it like masterpiece tier like a lot of people do. Just, you know, I feel like that movie's, if anything, it's just a touch overlong for my taste. Although it does have meatloaf in a fat Ooh. suit with tits. I can't believe. Wait a minute. How, 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 you're going to say a movie's overlong with meat. You love meatloaf, though. That's, what I'm, you love that's meatloaf. what I'm saying. That's one of the good parts about it. It was meatloaf in a fat suit with tits. Okay. I love Fair it. enough. I love we it. We might get to that. That movie at some point. I honestly, I haven't revisited that either because I've not watched in that school, movie in at least dude, 10 years. <laughs> Every motherfucker would always have that shit out in a party and then. Yeah, and that's why it's one of those such. movies where I just got kind of tired of the I, I got kind of tired of the cult that surrounds it. Um, but it didn't it didn't phase the it didn't phase me in terms of the movie itself. I th still think Fight Club's a very well made film. I think it's still a very good movie in a lot of ways. It didn't grate on me like the way that the Boondock Saints fan base did, where I now actively hate that movie because people slavishly worship it so much. To stay on, on subject here, though, real quick, I know you're not a fan of kills in the way that I am, but is there one like murder in this movie as far as one of the deadly sins that you like the most, like as far as the way that it's set up and the imagery of it or anything like that? Is it the knife dick? Is it the knife dick? I mean, it's I, no, I don't think it's the knife dick. I think it's probably I mean, just because gluttony like really is kind of the tone that sets the film in motion. You know, I think it has to be that one almost. I think I think it kind of has to be the 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 gluttony one. And I mean, of course, you have the great like absolute jump scare, which they did for real. They didn't tell the actors that were playing the SWAT team that the guy was still alive. So when he jumped away, oh, like those reactions oh were God. real. Dude, yeah. holy shit, dude! I, I know the first the time I ever watched it, I fucking I I I know I jumped for that too. Like great, great jump scare. Like in in a movie like this, where otherwise you know you're not going to get a lot of that kind of thing. Like that's great. Like that part of that is great. But that's my favorite. That's my favorite. I think 100%. it has to be gluttony for me, just because. Like like I said, it sets the tone for this movie. It's it's like this is this universe is not fucking around. This film is not fucking around. This is what you're going to get. Yeah, I mean, and I remember seeing that imagery in the trailer for the first time of the, the giant fat dude from behind that wide shot. But you said it perfectly. And you brought it to the forefront here for me, Sloth, that Rob Boutine makeup, yep. dude, for the character Victor, who's basically emaciated. He's been sitting there for a year, just starving. He's eaten his own tongue out of his own mouth. He's brain dead. But you think he's dead. And like Danielle even said it. My wife is sitting there next to me watching the movie. Apparently, she watched it more recently than I. And she's like, yeah. He's he's alive. And I was like, wait, what? And then when he fucking jumps up, we both jumped out of our seat off the couch. And it's like, dude, the makeup work in that scene is the shit of nightmares. Literally terrifying. Like, yeah. I'll remember that forever. 
So I mean, that's that's, that's Rob Boutine though. So that makes yeah. that makes perfect sense. Dude, I mean, when you think the thing and the yeah. howling, you get this. You get that kind of nightmare imagery. So yeah. so I mean, it, it it makes perfect sense. So uh, just yep, yeah, great movie. Uh, glad to revisit it. Really, really glad to take a take a spin around to uh, to revisit it here. But uh, yeah, we've got what? So we're gonna do Goodfellas in a couple of weeks, probably, most likely. I just still can't believe you've never seen it, but that, nope. that's fine. That's never fine. Never seen it, but I will sometime. I know uh, Deb Kinney, one of our patrons, she uh, put it on Nick's watch list, but we're going to main show that one. Uh, we're not going to hold that one over to Nick's watch list. I still owe glory to Nick's watch list as well as some other films. Uh, go over there now and you can hear the review that I did with Brad from the Cinema Guys of the 1995 Ben Affleck masterpiece, Glory Days. <sighs> God. You know what, Brad? If you're listening to this, make him watch Phantoms, please. I just want to hear him watch Phantoms. I don't know what that is. Affleck was the bomb in Phantoms, yo. That's right, motherfucker. It's the only thing I, you know, I just, I'll just, I'll just take it from, I'll just take it from the Kevin Smith. But yeah, uh, that's right. Yeah, we've got more anniversaries coming up toward the end of the year. You know, if you think about anything that's celebrating an anniversary that you would like us to do coming up toward the end of the year, we do already have a few different things. Like I know Home Alone is coming up on that list. I know Justin absolutely loves it. I'm really thrilled to uh, to be revisiting that one as well. A few other films coming up toward the end of the year. So we've got more stuff. And Justin. It's almost time, baby. It's almost horror season. By the time you hear next week's episode, what will next week's episode? Do you want to tease? Do you have a little tease for everybody? <laughs> I don't know. What what the fuck was that? I'm scared. I'm scared of that ape, man. He's he going to come to the door and get me. The penis and put the balls in his mouth. I'm scared of that. I tell you right now. I tell you right now. He's not a man in a suit, but a real gorilla. <laughs> a real gorilla. A man-eating gorilla. He comes out only during October on the Epic Film Guys podcast. That's right. No more hopester. No Epic Film Frog. No more Loisos. You're just going to get that eight man up your ass. And he's pretty hung, so you better be very careful. It'll be painful for you. But no, man. The Epic Film Guys 31 Day (laughs) Horror Challenge starting October 1st. I'm going to make it fun. Nick made it this way a few years ago, and I like it. 15 movies you haven't seen, and the other 15 can be your your favorites. You know, your Hocus Pocus, your Halloween 78. How dare you? You know, your Nightmare Before Christmas. It can be anything you want it to be. I've already started. I, I started my challenge in August, like August 1st. I was like, hey, whatever. It got kind of chilly out. So, hey, man, listen, with COVID and everything, Nick, you can shake your head at me all you want. We all just need comfort. We all just need things that are going to make us happy. And uh, this is something that we're looking forward to bringing to you guys. very true. Hey, man, share that shit in the Hopesters Dumpster, which, by the way, if you're not already following our fan group, that's where to hang out with us. If you want to join my campaign against Zodiac, follow us over on Twitter at Epic Film Guys, because that's basically half of what my tweets are about now, because I keep seeing it pop up all the time and it's probably just like one of those twitter algorithms that keeps making it pop up but every time i see it i roundly shit on it listen if you want to start the campaign to make nick watch it again then join the group but make sure to like us on facebook facebook.com slash epic film guys and of course you have to ask to join the group you can answer one of the questions just say something say something rude to us or curse at us and we'll approve you to be in the group call loy sauce a piece of shit Oh, I want to see a kid get stabbed. Okay. 
yell at him you because want a kid. you know what if you want to get into the group if you want immediate approval tell loy sauce how you want to maim a child and you'll get snap right in instantly instantly absolutely instantly but we're all over the, the web as well at epic film guys on instagram on twitter literally everywhere you can look at we're not on you're TikTok, not my though, fucking mother i'll never be on that i thought we were gonna you know pass you can't that be on tiktok banned, anymore because it got banned but now it came back it's not banned so. i thought it got banned i don't know i don't pay it, enough it attention banned. you know why because I, I don't either fucking but, care <laughs> no i don't either but it's fine just just saying just saying but yeah check us out guys and if you love what you hear on this show nick tell them what they need to do uh you need to go to apple Podcasts and please leave a there it is zero point zero star review <laughs> or a five star review anything between 0.0 and five stars i'm going to do some kind of apple podcast giveaway between now and the end of the year i've got a whole bunch of merch here that i want to get rid of plus we can always get some new stuff new designs all sorts of fun stuff so make sure you head over to apple podcast please leave us a five star review if you have not we would really appreciate it it really 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 does help the show a lot you can also join us over on patreon we are thrilled to have so many amazing supporters over on patreon um please go over there and sign up you can get stuff like nick's watch list uh the efg nick and i series with paul from the countdown that i've been doing and uh lots of different stuff like that lots of patreon only content over there for you guys as well plus a whole ton of like extra content that just randomly will get dumped over there at different times so yes horror month officially begins next thursday with a special b-side and i ain't gonna tell you what it is but there is a teaser of my stuff wow that got posted in the group so yeah this was picked by loy sauce so be excited that son children of a bitch that's a lot of cum. yes children do get maimed children do get murdered in this movie so that's why he picked it my of lord so yeah so yeah make sure you stay tuned for next thursday for that uh like i said we're gonna be doing goodfellas sometime very soon we're miss we missed the anniversary for it already but we don't give a fuck we're gonna do it anyway because i haven't seen it and i know again one of our patrons Deb kenny definitely wants to hear that i'm, I'm sure a lot of you actually want to hear what i think about goodfellas i mean it's scorsese easy you know it's a it's a landmark in the in the in the gangster genre from what i'm told anyway and it's also a film that has a ton of narration in it so (laughs) what do you mean from what you're told from what i'm told that's what i'm told i've never seen it i don't know i know it's place i know i know it's a it's a film that's that's fondly looked at in 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 terms of pop culture so i mean i just rewatched it like three months ago but i'll rewatch it again it's that one movie for me that i will never get sick of watching ever that's the only movie that's the only movie every other movie eventually you'll get tired of watching there's a few a few but we'll talk about those another day will be batman 89 I've never heard of that movie. Sounds what like is a that? piece of shit. But yes, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to be doing, you know, whatever we can to bring you content. As I said in the little in the little uh, preview singer for Glory Days last week that you heard here on the feed, we're going to be doing whatever we can to bring you just random anniversary content. Like I said, it's super weird right now. They've got the drive-in down there, but after Tenant, you know, quote-unquote bombed, I don't like to say bombed because it was set up to fail. We talked about this before we recorded, but it was set up to fail. There's no way that a film that cost $250 million was going to make back its budget with half of the theater in the united states still closed and then the other half that are actually still open 
you know, not even able to seat like a half of an auditorium full of people because of social distancing guidelines and things of that nature. So, I mean, a lot of other studios are postponing more big budget stuff and pushing it down the road. I don't know how well Mulan has performed in terms of like the whole Disney Plus thing. I refuse to pay $30 to see Mulan. I think that is outrageous. And then this film's gotten a whole shit ton of backlash about, you know, cultural insensitivity or you know the star i guess supported police brutality in hong kong like i mean fucking hell so you know i don't know it's not looking good for theaters i mean theaters are still open theaters are still doing stuff but my theaters aren't my theaters are still closed and will be for the foreseeable future so make sure to rent this shit pay to watch it you can't kill david arquette watch that documentary it is my favorite i've heard, thing it was, I've I've heard, it, I've heard it's really good it's amazing yeah. It's a tearjerker. It's exciting. I loved it. Yeah. So make sure to watch that shit. I want to watch it again, like ASAP. Yeah, I've heard it's. I've heard it's really, really good. As as somebody who loves wrestling, I may, I may in fact check it out. But uh, yeah, you need to check it out. There's, there's definitely that. There's, a, there's a couple of other things popping up out there that you can definitely check out. Like I said, I've been watching The Boys season two on Amazon Prime. Uh, I will be doing something about the boys season two once it wraps which should be sometime toward the end of october because i think there's three episodes left in the season so i will be doing a retrospective of it i want to do a, a, a look back at the season at some point so if you have seen seasons one or two of the boys please hit me up and i would be happy to uh have you on as a guest if you're if you're a fellow podcaster so uh, please please let me know i honestly can't wait to talk about it because i'm absolutely fucking in love with the show and uh, yeah, so I haven't watched a ton of movies. Unfortunately, I maybe have been getting in like one or two a week these days. Cloud Atlas, I watched the other day just for no reason, just because I felt like it. But that's because I love it. Of course you did. I love it. Of course you did. I've watched lots of movies and hopefully some of them will be relayed to you in review form. Maybe some B-side patron stuff, but just stay you know, tuned, ladies thanks. and gentlemen. That's right. There it we're is. Not right gonna, there. We're you not going to forget about you guys. We're going to get you as much information, as much uh, as much new content as we possibly can. Um, so, you know, the hiatus is over. We are back officially. So you're going to get at least something weekly, at least for the foreseeable future. If not, we're just going to flog Lois us until he records some content. Yeah. I mean, we'll put him in a room and tie him down and whack the shit out of him and record that. And that's what you'll get. <laughs> Could be five minutes worth, ten minutes worth, depending on how bad he's been. I mean, if we're whacking the shit out of him, it'll be like 30 seconds. Yeah, he can't handle it very long. That's a lot of cum. (laughs) That's the best you could do, Nick. I'm so, I'm so, so sorry. But ladies and gentlemen, we love you. We really, really appreciate you tuning into the show for myself, for Justin, and for the absolutely beautiful, amazing God of Podcasting. Thank you so, so much, everybody out there for listening. Until next time. We will see you at the movies.
This episode is brought to you by the Epic Film Guys patrons, our amazing producers and executive producers who pay us to do the show that we love to do. Mr. Duty Dutrum, Patrick Sherwood, Andrew Filoder, Dan Brennick, John DeQuilla, Alan Gallarisi, Brandon Frederick, Kayla Brownlee, Scott Lavar, Robert Moreno, Julio Oliveira, Daniel Henderson, Drew Hallam, Deb Kinney, Chip Moore, Chris Maltezos, Rob Trevino, Ken Maney, Brady Cloven, Justin Winters, Paul Prezula, and Gerald Morris. And a very special thank you to our top-level patrons, our executive producers on the show. Chris Yaney, Bill Sutton, and Destruction in Human Form, Jared Taylor. Thank you all so, so much. And we'll see you at the movies.